Uh, if you can hear me, if you can't hear me, just raise your hand. I'll try to speak louder. So uh, good to see everyone here. It's already been stated, and it's good to see the numbers. And uh, so today we're going to get in our lesson. I'm not sure how long it's going to take to get through, but uh, as this morning we're supposed to do everything decently in order to try to get everybody out on time. Um, Santa and I have had the privilege of meeting with this congregation for six and a half years now. Um, and it's been a blessing to us. It's been a great blessing we've seen. Uh, we've grown. We've seen the congregation to not only grow in number, but we've seen the congregation growing spiritually. And, that, and that's a blessing. And uh, that's a comfort. That there are like-minded people that want to serve the Lord. And that there's there's people that that have a heavenly point of view. And so that that's all comforting and that's and, and we talked about a lot about relationships and our responsibility towards each other. This morning we're going to touch a part of that our responsibility towards each other. Uh, this is one of those types of lessons it's, it's not uh, one of those that you jump up and say, boy, I want to preach on this. Uh, it's not one of those that, um, that you know, I look forward to. But it's one of those that if we're going to live by the Lord and His wisdom and His, His Word, lessons like this have to be preached. And it's, it's about God. It's about His Word. And uh, I'll be honest with you, there's probably some things I might do differently. Uh, but this is not my church. I didn't die for this church. And so this morning, as we, got, we go through this lesson, if you have questions, comments, feedback, uh, you want to study more, uh, my dining room table is available, uh, or I'll come to your house. But uh, this is a very serious topic. Uh, this is what one of those topics that you have to get into as you have church growth. So I say that to, to say that that uh, there's a lot of things that we have to do as Christians, and some are not as popular as others. So let's start off with Revelations, uh, the third chapter. This is a, a passage here for uh, the church at Laodicea. Revelations 3.19 and it says those whom I love I reprove and discipline therefore be zealous and repent. He's rebuking the church at Laodicea but what I want you to point out here those whom I love I reprove and I discipline. That is a key thread throughout the scripture. It doesn't start in the New Testament. I think I do believe the New Testament has a different way that God speaks and disciplines in the New Testament than He didn't know. I'll make some points of that. But at the end of the day, those whom God loves, His flock, He is going to reprove and He's going to discipline those. Now, Let's bring this a little closer. And I, I, I actually, whenever I was thinking about making this example, I kind of thought, wow, you know, our society is actually going away from this too. 
But I, I'm going to make it to where I think all of us would do something. So if Baker, my grandson, was here and, and he was going to run out here on the four lane and wanted to go play. Well, as Pops, I'm going to grab him and keep him from doing that. Now, my role as Pops is to give ice cream and everything, so I'm going to protect him. But then if he takes off again, and probably in all honesty, guys, it's probably going to happen the first time. But if he takes off again towards that road, I'm going to deal with it. There's going to be discipline. He will not do that again. He will figure out it's better for me to stay put than to go that direction. Now, am I doing that because I don't like him? Am I doing that because I don't care for him? Or am I doing that to protect him? And I think as, as a, at least most people I run into, they understand that logic. You have to sometimes change your relationship and discipline a child. In other words, I don't believe, my son and my daughter-in-law, who I think do a good job, it's their responsibility to discipline Baker. And I want to be Pops. But if Baker's not going to act right and his dad's not around, I've got to protect him. And sometimes that's not fun. So, so whenever you think about that example, we as Christians, we, I think we understand that. We understand disciplining our children. And we understand that that's a win-win. We understand we're not hurting them. We're helping them. We're supposed to guide them. So in the Lord's church, that same principle is laid down. And if that principle wasn't laid down, it would say that we're all going to be perfect. And we'll get into uh, 1 John. We'll talk a little bit about that. But at the end of the day, we're not all going to be perfect. Clay's not going to be perfect. You're going to have to come up to me and say, hey, you said this the other day. You need... Is that really? Hey, I think I saw you here. We have a responsibility towards each other to help each other get to heaven. And as Christians and as a church, that's a difference between the Old Testament and New Testament. We have that responsibility. Lay down another principle. Turn to Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12, 4 through 14. We see here, it mentioned again that God disciplines those whom He loves. This is coming off of Hebrews 11 where the people of old, the faithful, the people that live, and how God moved them and disciplined them to get them where they needed to go. Some of those were hardships that brought them but at the point here in verse 5, it says, and this is a principle, My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint uh, when you are reproved by him. For those whom the Lord loves, his, he disciplines, 
And he scourges every son whom he receives. One of the, the worst things you can do for a child is neglect a child. So a child needs boundaries, and that's discipline. We as Christians, God has set boundaries for us. Whenever we obey the gospel, we said we're going to live a Christian life. Now, that didn't say that we're going to be perfect at it. That's not what I'm up here preaching. And so, if you read on down through these verses, it talks about a father's discipline and how we respected our father for disciplining us. You know, whenever um, our fathers disciplined us when we were young, we didn't understand that. But now that we're older, we respect it, we understand it. Same thing, and that's what God is saying here. So if we look in the Old Testament, we see the prophets of old, and we see sometimes God speaking to people. And so we see Adam and Eve, whenever they sinned in the garden, we see discipline there. We see a change. Moses, my last lesson, we see God taking someone that we all have could have sympathy for. I do. 40 years of leading people that didn't appreciate him. And finally, he, he, makes, he, he strikes a rock instead of speaking to it, and God disciplines. Uh, we see God sending Nathan to David and rebuking him. We see Isaiah rebuking the northern kingdom. We see Jonah preaching to them. See, so all the, you know, notice I'm picking out some of these rebukes were very successful, some were not. Men of it was saved, right? They repented. We see Hezekiah showing off his riches and him, him being rebuked for that. So all the way through that, all the way through the Old Testament, we see God's hand in disciplining his people and bringing them back to him. That's what he had chosen. Now, Isaiah was not successful in the northern kingdom. We know that uh, the Assyrians came and took them away because they were unrepentant. We know that uh, Elijah was not successful with Ahab and uh, Bashi, uh, Jezebel. But the ones like David who humbled himself and changed, we see God's rebuke, is there. Turn to 1 John 5. And so this is this is kind of getting, we'll get into a little bit more of the mechanics here in a little bit. But 1 John, 1 John 1, 5 through 10. 1 John 1, 5 through 10. This is the message we have heard from Him and announced to you that God is light and in Him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with Him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Alright. Verse 6. If we say that we have fellowship with God and we're walking in darkness, we lie. Now, there's a lot to unpack in these passages here. We're not going to unpack all this. this is, so this is like one of those uh, 
conversation. I mean, I need to do a whole new, a whole other lesson on this this whole passage. If we're going to go here, but I'm not going to. We're not going to camp out here. But the whole point is: is do we have fellowship with God? Do I have fellowship with God? <coughs> So verse 7, but if we walk in light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Notice that if we walk in light, we have fellowship with one another. But if we're walking in darkness, we're not in fellowship with God, then therefore how can I be in fellowship with one another? And if we walk in light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. So I'll just take an excursion here. All of y'all are thinking, or the ladies are thinking, my roast is cooking at home, and now my timer gets set. I'm sitting here thinking... Oh man, I hope that didn't happen at the mill. <laughs> um, so the point here is fellowship one another. We want we have to walk in light to have uh, Jesus' blood. Now this is an interesting comment. If we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Hold on, I got to be walking in light. And now he's saying, if we say we have no sin, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and the word is not in us. We as Christians, when we obey the gospel, we have committed ourselves to follow God. But I have not met the Christian yet that did not sin in that walk with God. So what's the difference in verse 6 whenever he talks about walking in darkness and the ones that are sinning? The difference is one is unrepentant and the other one is trying to get back up and say, I, I failed, I'm, I'm going to repent of my sin. Notice where we started off in Revelations. He told them to repent. If, I'm, if I commit a sin, if I commit a sin, and I say, that's just me and I'm going to keep doing it. Am I repentant? Or have I started walking in darkness? I've started walking in darkness. But if I commit a sin and I go back and ask for forgiveness, I have the blood of Christ. That's what, that's what we've all connected with. I hate to share with everybody in this building, but we're all here because we're sinners. We're all here because we're trying to correct ourselves. The only difference between us and the world is that we're trying. And we're trying to get better. And if we're living that life, Jonathan brought out about being perfect and mature this morning in Bible class. 
I'm very comforted that the apostles were not perfect people. Very comforted that we see them maturing as they grow, as they go. Every one of them. We see that. So whenever we see this passage, but the key here is, how do we have fellowship with one another? We have fellowship with one another because we're walking in the light. Not that we're perfect, but that we're striving to be perfect and we're changing our lives. Now, let's get into some mechanics here. 2 Thessalonians 3. 2 Thessalonians 3. Starting, uh, we'll first read verse 6 and 7. Now, we command you. Notice, this is a command. This is a, not a like to do. This is You'll hear me talk about principles. This is not applying a principle from the Old Testament that, you know, for my family, I'm going to apply that. This is a command to the New Testament church. Now we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from every brother who leads an unruly life and not according to the tradition which we receive from which you receive from us. For you yourself know how you ought to follow our example, because we did not act undisciplined manner among you. So this is a command that is delivered to the first century church. That we stay away from people, from brethren that's not following the traditions that were delivered to them. Drop down a few more verses, 2 Thessalonians 3.14 and 15. If anyone does not obey our instructions in this letter, take special note of that person and do not associate with him so that he will be put to shame. Yet do not regard him as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. Notice that last part there. We have a responsibility to admonish them. We have a responsibility to go and encourage them. Now, we can unpack this. How often should I be doing that to an Aryan brother? But this is someone that's unrepentant, that has decided not to do anything. And we're going to go to 1 Corinthians. Notice the Corinthian brethren are considered brethren. But they were doing a lot of things wrong. And there's some instructions. We're going to get into those instructions. But the whole point is, is whenever you're corrected, whenever you're confronted with your sin, how are you going to react to that? Are we going to react like David did? He didn't stop some, some physical consequences, but I think David's... I think David found salvation... How did Moses react? We know he's at the transfiguration. So Moses sinned. He didn't follow God's commandment, so he's not lost. That's, that's, that's where grace comes in. That's where mercy, that's where love. God wants us to be saved. It's just like the example of my grandson. If he goes that road a hundred times, I'm going to wear his hiding out a hundred times. That's the love I have for him. I'm not going to just kind of finally just say, okay, go play in the road. None of us would do that. But as Christians, we have a responsibility. The church 
at Walnut Street has a responsibility for this members. We are here to all try to get to heaven. And we're not here to get there by ourselves. We don't need church if we can get there by ourselves. That's not what Christ set up. He set up a church, a group of people that are supposed to be helping each other, loving each other. That's our... Notice I started this off with love. Because in our society today, if we correct somebody, oh, you don't love me, you don't... That, I mean, guys, that that is so... Our society is so far out there. We're so, you know... I hope everybody recognizes that. You know, one of the most frustrating things I deal with in a day is when Sanders corrected me. <laughs> I don't like it. But why does she do it? She loves me. She is my mate. She is the person that I depend on to help me to get to heaven. I depend on every one of you to help me get to heaven. You have a responsibility to me to help me get to heaven and I have a responsibility to you. So what's, so this, this individual here in Thessalonians that he's talking about is somebody that's bowed their back and says, I'm not doing that. So, let's go through an example and let's talk about three things that discipline does for the church. And as I go through this, and notice I said for the church and the individual and the world, I want you to realize what's going on in our society today. We have people in the religious world today That is blatantly going against the scriptures. How do you get there? How do you get there? Number one, you get there because we're not reading God's words. Number two, we're not correcting each other. We're not letting God rebuke us. And how does God rebuke us today? Today, He rebukes us through His word, through His church. That is a responsibility we have. Because if we're not correcting each other, if we're not course correcting over time, it's my, it's my opinion that we're doing that. And not God's word. So go to 1 Corinthians 5. So our first responsibility with church discipline is the center. That is our first and foremost responsibility I believe we see in the Scripture. It is not for us to pick and choose people we like and dislike. It is about sin. It is about obvious sin. Because I've already stated as we see in John, 1 John, we're all sinners. We're all going to sin. But it's when people become unrepentant and not willing to change. So we have someone in the church at Corinth that is having sexual relations with his father's wife. 
And that person is being accepted in the church. That person is openly being accepted. And Paul says, so you can read 1 through 5, I'm not going to read that, but you can read 1 through 5, but verse 5, I have decided to live, to deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of his flesh, so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. Notice that Paul is sitting here thinking about the person. If we allow this person to live in their sin, we're not helping them get to heaven. Are we loving them? So going back to my original illustration, that is like me, Baker, running to the road out here and me watching it. Go ahead, have fun. Hope you don't, you know, hope they see you. We all see the physical relationship with children. So why don't we see the relationship with our brothers and sisters whenever we see them in open sin and unrepentant? So, number one, our goal is about the son. And that goes back to Thessalonians about admonishing a brother. We're admonishing them as a brother because we want them back. Second, Paul references the church. In verses 6 and 7, your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump of dough? Clean out the old leaven so that you may be a new lump, just as you are, in fact, unleavened. For Christ, our Passover, also has been sacrificed. So not only are we looking at the individual, we're also trying to preserve God's church and the purity of God's church. If I walk by at the facility, if I walk by a safety incident and do not correct somebody, what did I just say? I just said for that whole facility, that's okay because I'm going to let it slide. That's what I'm saying. Now, I don't know what your sin or how, what if you sin this week. I don't know that. But if I see you down here putting a candy bar in your pocket at Circle K... And I say, give me one too. If I don't say anything to you and I saw it, what did I just allow? What did I just say that this church is okay with? And I'm not telling you we've all had not been tempted. I'm not telling you that we all don't need to be corrected by each other. I am not telling Every one of us has issues. And so right here we see if we don't correct, the church ends up in a very different place. In my lifetime, and everybody that's over 30 here, everybody that's over 50, let's put them in, it's over 50, you've seen a digression in the religious world today. 
Have we not? What people accept? How did that happen? It's because we were not going back to God's word and holding each other accountable. That's not love if we don't hold each other accountable. Now as we talk about this, I want to make this point. Uh, in verse 9, I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with immoral people. I did not at all mean immoral people of this world or with the covetous swindlers, idolaters, uh, then you would have to go out of the world. This, so we need to put practice. This is not about everybody out there. This lesson is about no one out there. This lesson is about us. This is about us judging each other and holding each other accountable to God's Word and helping each of us get to heaven. Because in verse 20 it says, But what have I to do with judging outsiders? Do you not judge those who are within the church? And he says in verse 13, But those who are outside, God judges. Out there, God judges. But in here, we judge each other. And it's about two things. Keeping the church pure. It's about three things. I've got to get my third point. It's about keeping the... Trying to save the sinner, our brother or sister, and it's about keeping the church pure. And the third point is it's about what the world sees in us. So Second Peter, Second Peter two, Second Peter two, verse two, it says, "Many will follow their sensualities, and because of them, the way of the truth will be maligned." Many will follow their own agenda and because of them, the way of the truth is maligned. I have attended a church where somebody embezzled money from a bank and a community and they were a member of the church. All on the front page of the newspaper. If we allow that to stand and not rebuke that person, what have we just told the rest of the world? Come on over here. Everything's accepted. That person was disciplined. That person repented of those sins and changed their life. And I believe that person was faithful whenever they ended their life. Whenever their life ended. You can take that two different ways. Jonathan would correct me on that one. He would call those words. The point is, I could stand up as a Christian and defend that person. I could stand up and say, no, yes, they did that, they admitted they did that and they have come and they have changed their life. And we don't accept that in the Lord's church. So we as, as Christians, and you see that in 1 Peter 2.12, keep your behavior excellent among Gentiles so that 
in the thing uh, in, in the thing in which you they slandered you as evildoers, they may because of your good deeds they observe them glorify God in the day of visitation. The whole point is is we need to be the shining light. That doesn't mean we're going to be perfect, but it does mean that we're we're correcting ourselves and we're moving forward. So in conclusion, uh, you can go to 1 Timothy 1, 18-20. You can see where Paul, this is Hymenaeus and Alexander, uh, they had shipwrecked their faith. Uh, they had blasphemed God. And, and uh, Paul had delivered them to Satan. Uh, you can read Romans 16. And it's important, you can go to Romans 16, verses 17, and you can talk about there he's talking about there is brethren keep your eyes on those who cause dissension hindrance contrary to the teaching which you learn and turn away from them but I also want you to note the first part of Romans all the way down to these passages greet 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 these are people that are living within the word make sure you greet them make sure you welcome them into your fold whenever they come to you We have to be mindful of people that we accept, people we don't. Um, go back to um, so that um, Matthew eighteen. I didn't bring that passage up, but that kind of is a formula for addressing this issue. That's kind of a very mechanical. Go see the brother. Go take somebody. Confirm the words. Make sure they know they've sinned. And then bring it to the church. And if they don't listen to the church, deal with it. Um, I want to take two things here. Just, you know, the last thing is, is since society is, is so much against us, you know, everybody gets to have their opinion. Well, guys, we don't get to have our opinion in this church. It's God's opinion that we're at. Now, Whenever I say that, we're going to have debates on the application of the Scripture. But at the end of the day, we don't get to decide what sin is and what sin's not. God has decided that for us. I don't have that choice. It's my job to read the Scriptures and to apply that. But these last two passages, turn to Romans 11 verse 20 and 22. And this is just kind of an argument against today's world. Quite right, verses 20 through 22. Quite right. They were broken off for their unbelief, but you stand by your faith. Do not be conceited, but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, the Jews, He will not spare you either. Behold, the kindness and severity of God did you hear that? Everybody wants to say that God is just kind, right? But you notice here, it's the kindness and the severity of God. It's just like me being a grandparent. It's just like you being a parent. You love your child. You're still trying to get them there. But there's two sides to you, right? Not because you want to be, but that's what you got to do. To those, so behold, in the kindness and severity of God, to those who fail, uh, severity 
but to you God's kindness. If you continue in his kindness, otherwise you also uh, continue in his kindness, otherwise you will also will be cut off. God has two sides. We don't accept everything. We only accept what God approves. And lastly, Hebrews 10.31, and this is this I, I hope this passage it, it makes me shake. And I always think of Paul on the road to Damascus. I think of, I see Paul and how bold he is and how he just stands up to crowds, how he's been stoned. But it is a terrifying thing to fall in the hands of the living God. I just can't imagine. I, 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 well, have you ever been so scared your knees knocked? Have you ever been so scared where your body changes? That's what I imagine on the day of judgment. Mind your responsibility is to show love for one another so that whenever we're there, we've got the blood of Christ on us and our sins are covered and we're faithful because He saw us working and trying. So today's lesson is we have a responsibility to each other. We have a responsibility as a church to correct each other. There's a lot more to unpack here. But at the end of the day, we don't get to choose our path. I have a responsibility to you. You have a responsibility to me. And I want to tell you how, you know, I started this lesson off, how encouraging, how encouraged Sanderd I've been. And don't take that, that is lightly. It has been such an encouragement for everybody here. For me. Y'all have been an encouragement for me. But also, we have a responsibility to tell people, hey, you're out of bounds. And we do that because first, we want to save that soul. Secondly, we want to keep the church pure. But we also want the world to see something they want to join. So I hope this lesson, this is this is one of those lessons uh, I hope I get questions on. Especially if you don't if you disagree or you think differently. I do want to hear those. Because this is an important step of us maturing as a church. So if there's anyone here that needs to obey the gospel, anyone here that needs to repent of sins that's that's been done publicly or that, that needs to be acknowledged or you just want the prayers of the congregation we always leave this part of the service at the end please come forward as we stand and sing